Hi, everyone. Welcome to Redefine the Circle, a podcast where we discuss all things pitching. I'm Ashley Sunshine, co-owner and head of pitching development at S2 Breakthrough. In this initial series, we're going to highlight topics that focus on how to maximize your pitchers now. We're going to discuss some of the trends that we've seen with our own pitchers at S2 Breakthrough as we've collected more and more data. Some of the topics we'll cover include how we've shifted the way we understand and train pitch types, how to maximize game day prep, and generally how we use data to create systems and approaches that are specific to each pitcher. It's so important for us to continue to share this information and facilitate discussion within the pitching community so we can keep evolving as coaches and ultimately grow pitching into something it's never been before. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks for joining the quest to redefine the circle. This podcast is sponsored by Yakertech, softball's first in-game optical tracking system and most accurate data capturing solution. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Redefine the Circle. I am Ashley Sunshine, head of pitching development and co-owner at S2 Breakthrough. In today's episode, I'd like to have a discussion uh, that sort of like piggybacks off of last episode, which was about understanding how uh, individualized and how variable off-flight data really can be based on each individual pitcher. So today's discussion, again, is going to sort of branch off of that concept And we're going to talk about how I would look at a pitcher's data and not only understand her story, but take it to the next level and understand how I would go about calling pitches for that pitcher uh, in competition, how I would sort of, you know, make that uh, transition from, you know, training and understanding what's going on and what we're working on in the bullpen to actually how it plays in game and how I would use one pitcher versus another. And I just think this is a really important concept to talk about because Traditionally, when we've talked about calling pitches, we talk a little bit more uh, generalized and cookie cutter. So I actually recently uh, did a talk on this very uh, this very concept, and I was paired with uh, a former catcher who said, you know, the types of things that I think we should be doing when we're calling pitches is uh, things like making sure we're getting uh, the hitter to see different you know, heights, essentially change her eye level, get her out of posture, get her out of timing. All of these things are appropriate and correct. And so what I felt like was really important to add to that discussion is that, yes, that is absolutely the foundation of what we're trying to achieve with hitters. But then there's another layer on top of that, which really is about what does the pitcher have? What are the tools that are specific to that pitcher that we can make sure that we're calling in order to do those things? So it's not just we see that, you know, as the foundational, uh, those are the goals. You know, this is what we're trying to do with the hitters, you know, get them off balance, change their eye level, get them again off time, out of timing, uh, get them out of posture. All those things are great. And so then we take this sort of like location-based strategy for all the pitchers, meaning, okay, in order to do that, we're going to throw a change up in counts like this. We're going to throw up and in, low and away. And we're kind of just like mixing all over the place based on locations as if everyone is the same. And so today I want to talk about the layer on top of that. And even though uh, currently right now I am not, uh, you know, the pitching coach or head coach of of a team. And so I am not the one calling pitches now. I work with a lot of coaches to advise them on how to read pitchers' data and then how I would go about, you know, calling games based on that information. So that's really what I want to look would look at today and, and talk about in this episode. So a couple of things before we go into some examples. 
The first question, and again, there's going to be a lot of overlap between what I'm talking about today and what I talked about last week uh, regarding individuality of data. But the first thing that I want to know is what is the pitcher's story? And what that means is what are her strengths? So start with one strength. Is there a strength? Again, this is the concept we talked about in last episode. What's the center of her story? What does she do well? The next thing that I want to know is, is there any variability off of that strength? And variability could be, uh, you know, she has separation, tiers of separation between her pitches. Um, She has, you know, great off-speed pitches to work with that. There's a variety of things that sort of lead to variability. Um, And so I want to know generally, again, what's the center of the story? What's the strength? Is there any variability off of that? Or is it like this picture, this is her strength, this is what she does. Um, And then the last thing I always ask myself is, what's really required to be effective against this team. So for example, basically like how good is that pitcher's strength and what, how does that match up against the hitters that she's facing? So basically, uh, you know, I talk about this concept of variability because, you know, we're going to assume that we're talking about a high level of of play uh, when we're talking about using data to maximize pitchers and how to call games in game. Um, And so obviously the more variability you have, uh, the better off you are as far as being able to work with multiple tools. And I'm going to go into exactly what that means in just a bit when I go through examples. But there are many times where, you know, let's say we have a pitcher who is, uh, you know, she throws a sink pitch, for example, that is 10 inches of break. It's one of the best drop balls out there. And she's playing against like a very mediocre team. So I know like there are a lot of, you know, high school travel ball, uh, you know, aged coaches, parents, uh, athletes who watch this podcast. So even in that realm and sometimes in the college realm as well, but there's a, there's like a mismatch. So basically I know, okay, if I have pitcher A throwing this game and this is a really weak team there's probably no need for variability. Like her strength, that drop ball, she could throw it every pitch on every game. That happens a lot when we have great rise ball pitchers just because, you know, we don't really see a lot of great rise ball pitchers at the high school level. And so when we're throwing, you know, rise ball, it's like we're going to, you know, keep a ball down in the zone every once in a while. But literally, we're just going to throw that rise ball through the zone over and over and over. And likely, like, no one is really going to barrel the ball. So I think it's important. Variability, the amount of variability needed to be effective really is not just like a across the you know across the board this is what's needed at the higher levels there's that starts to like level out obviously and the more variability the better but there is this concept of understanding how good is that strength and you know how does that match up against the hitters that we're facing if the strength is sort of like borderline or mediocre then obviously in order to be you know max maximum level effectiveness it's really going to come from probably you know, that strength coupled with a little bit of variability. So those are the things I sort of lay out there to start as I'm trying to, you know, advise coaches of, you know, here are the things to think about when you're calling. It's not just up and in, low and away, change up here, change up that. That's too cookie cutter. We have to really get into the details of what does this pitcher do? Generally, what is she capable of? And then what's even required within this game, within this matchup? Okay, so with that said, let's go into some of these examples. So this, I'm going to give four examples today. Um, and, you know, there's some similarities, but hopefully in just looking at these, again, these four examples, you kind of have an idea of like, okay, once I had this data and I could see a picture story, I would know, you know, where they fall as far as like, you know, what, who they match up with uh, regarding these examples and how I would call games. Okay, so this first picture here, um, I'm going to zoom in a bit. And what we can see is that uh, 
her story, no doubt about it. She has a great rise ball. Obviously, these are all pitchers that I work with here at S2, so I know this about them. Um, but she has a great rise ball. This is the center of her story. Like, this is what she does. She throws sort of like, you know, bullet uh, curve screw and works a rise ball over top of that. The fastball, um, you know, typically is really not harder than her other pitches. Uh, and so typically her fastball does not really... Uh, add anything to her story, but the changeup absolutely does. So the changeup not only is a great pitch, you can see here at six inches of sink, it's got a huge horizontal component to it, about four or five inches on any given day. Um, and so her story, no doubt about it, is that she's got a great up pitch, that's the center of her story. She's got some bullet pitches, so she's got another tier of variability. And then this changeup provides even more variability, not only in change of speed, but also because it's a great sync pitch for her. So what I like to think about is I think about uh, tier A, tier B, uh, and tier C as far as what a pitcher has that day. And I like the pitcher to be on the same page as sort of like, this is what it means when you're in your A game. This is what it means when you're in your B game. This is what it means when you're in a C game. And for the catcher to understand that concept as well. So we're all talking the same language and it's very simple. There's like an objective approach. So what I mean by that is, okay, in this pitcher, uh, she is on her A game when her rise ball looks great. You know, she's able to locate those bullet pitches and her changeup is on. Basically when her whole story is intact, that's an A game. That's when she is beating some of the best teams in the country at the high school level right now. Um, and so B game for this pitcher usually looks like when that changeup goes away. So oftentimes because it's the only pitch she throws down or timing gets a little bit off and she then looks, you know, imagine if I was looking at this graph, the changeup essentially was gone and we were only looking at, so I can kind of zoom in, only looking at these pitches. Now, she absolutely is still effective with this cluster of pitches, but you can see like the clusters are a little bit more, the pitches are a little bit more clustered, I should say. And so it's really important for her to be able to, you know, really her rise ball is the pitch. It's just bullet pitches and a rise ball. She gets a lot of great teams with just these pitches when that changeup goes away, but I call that her B game. Now, a C game, obviously, uh, in my mind, is when that rise ball comes out of the mix. Because now we're not really talking about having any real hard breaking pitches. And those are the games that when this athlete, like the rise ball is, a lot of times like she's pulling it too much out of the shoulder. She's not comfortable throwing it out of the zone. Uh, or so, excuse me. She's not comfortable throwing it through the zone. She's instead sort of pulling it out of the zone. Those are the days where, uh, you know, again, we're not really relying on a lot of hard breaking pitches. She's got to change up maybe, um, and, and then mostly just bullet pitches. So she's trying to locate pitches and it's not a great day. So what I say is, okay, here's the matchup we have. This team is going to require an A game. As soon as this pitcher, this is said in front of the pitcher, this is said in front of the catcher, as soon as this pitcher gets under an A game, we have to identify that. We have to say like, hey, this pitcher, she's on a B game right now. Like we lost that change. Uh, and so we have to see like, okay, how much longer? Can we make it one more time through the lineup? Or, you know, we're at the bottom of the lineup. She might be able to get through before we make a switch. I'm kind of, you know, gauging that, analyzing that. Or I might say, okay, this team, like an A game, she smokes them. A B game, we're hanging in there, uh, but that's it. We can't go to a C game on this team. So we're all on the same page regarding what makes an A game for this pitcher, what makes a B game for this pitcher, and what makes a C game, and we're gauging that as time is going through. And so this is just important. Again, think about how I started this discussion. Yes, we know the things we're trying to do with hitters uh, as far as, you know, 
throwing off their timing and and changing eye level and um you know, making sure they're getting out of posture, basically like keeping them from getting comfortable in the box. But this is what this pitcher has in order to do that. So I can't just sort of say like, okay, I, I want to make sure, um, you know, this is a pitcher that, you know, uh, you know, we want to go really hard inside. So I'm throwing a fastball hard inside. Well, there are pitchers where like maybe the fastball is the pitch to throw hard inside, but maybe it's actually a different pitch for them to do that. So it's important to understand like generally what you're trying to achieve and what's the pitch that they have that really can do that. And what's the pitch that they have is and and making sure I should say that you understand what role that pitch plays in its full story. Okay, let's go to the next pitcher here. It's going to be really similar to that pitcher A. Okay, so this picture here, so I should say the first picture we looked at, she's sitting like low 60s, so she's got a little bit of velo on her side at the high school level. This picture here is like mid to upper 50s at the high school level also. And what we can see here is there's no doubt about it, her strength is variability. Just like picture uh, A, she has variability in spin direction. She can spin the ball uh, down for sink. She can spin the ball uh, backward for some for some rise, um, particularly on that screwball. Um, she doesn't really so when she throws rise through the zone, um, that pitch, you know, for whatever reason, her intent, she just sort of locks out the wrist and the velo goes way too low for that pitch. So really, we use her screwball as that rise, as that up pitch. Um, it's just thrown, you know, uh, it's thrown similar. It's just called different label. Okay, so she's got change in spin direction, which again is not, you know, this alone sets her apart from a lot of high school pitchers that drop ball is is you know uh pushing it with having some some good sink here it's almost six inches with a change up that just blends really well underneath of it and so there's no doubt about it when this pitcher is most effective what we're utilizing is both spin direction so when we have a let's say the highest matchup this is a really tough team we're always talking about like final four in a tournament here we'll start with that you know, the, the approach that I would say, what we have to do with this pitcher, especially since Velo is not going to blow anyone away, variability. What her strength is, is that she has variability in her pitches, and most pitchers do not have that. So throwing up in the zone, which is going to be that screw, throwing down in the zone on that drop ball, mixing that with change, like constantly keeping hitters uncomfortable in the box because they're seeing those different pieces. Now, when one of these things goes away, so here is an example of like why variability is important because this pitcher sort of has two versions of a B game. If she, and this happened to her recently, that screwball just started to flatten out a little bit as the fall season was going on. And we were mostly seeing like a lot of, it mimicked her curveball really not a lot of up pitch. Now there's still a big horizontal component to what she throws, um, but we still just had bullet pitches here. And so those are great pitches, but we want to make sure that we're relying a little bit more on that drop ball because that's the best breaking pitch for her. So she's still going to have two tiers of separation with these bullet pitches and, uh, and the sink pitches. But we know like typically she relies a lot on, uh, you know, screwball because it, it is a little bit like an inside rise ball. Um, but when that goes away, it's important for her with her velo to know that those pitches are now complementing the sink pitch because that's the pitch that really breaks. So about three, maybe two to three weeks to go in her fall season, that happened. Her mobility started to shift a little bit, you know, with a fall season going on. She wasn't able to spin the ball uh, with backspin quite as effectively. And so what we started to do was, hey, let's really, you have a great drop ball, but 
I, let's see if we can push it another, you know, inch or two, especially again, because Velo was sitting like 55, 56, 57. Um, and so, you know, we worked really hard on her drop all, trying to gain a little bit more using Repsoto Insight, her being able to see what her hand position was. And her drop all got to eight inches by the end of the fall, which was really great because now we changed her game plan. Now we changed like we have this drop all that's like five inches, which complements being able to throw up in the zone a little bit more. Uh, and now all of a sudden, okay, we're going to use bullet pitches to now complement this great sink pitch and then obviously she also has change up so the fact that she has both spin directions like we are able essentially to come up with different ways to create a b game for her meaning okay we don't have those those up pitches anymore but we can really hammer those down pitches or if drop ball's not you know quite where we need it to be like no problem we're gonna work up we've got change up um there's just there's a lot of ways in which she can sort of like move those chess pieces if you will Obviously, if it's a day where she's just throwing majority bullet, like that drop ball is now coming up and sitting like four inches and we're not getting much from curve screw, everything is starting to sort of gravitate closer to, to each other. Those are the days where like, okay, you know, her velo's not there. She's not really throwing any pitches that are really breaking. Unless it's a low level matchup, those are the days she's got to come out. So that's what I would identify as like her C game. And I just think it's important to, again, everyone be on the same page with the data, meaning coach, pitcher, catch her and to identify here's what she does well here's how we're going to use these pitches if this falls off let's go to this you know plan of attack so if we're in game and that screw curve you know they're both kind of sitting similar they're getting hit hard they're not you know that screwball's not jumping the way we typically like to see uh okay no problem then let's rely a little bit more on that drop ball if the drop ball is off it's like okay now we might be in this c game territory and we all know that and we've laid that out ahead of time uh and so that is how again i would look at this picture story and how i would identify those tiers the fact that she has variability um you know uh across uh, pitch types allows her to essentially have so many more options. And that's why variability is really key. Okay. These next two, um, examples are going to be examples of not having a lot of variability and why that sort of like pigeon holds you a little bit more as the person calling pitches. And then of course, you know, the pitcher as well. Okay. So here is this pitcher's data. You can see regardless of what she calls pitches, everything is a sink pitch. Everything is a drop ball. So screw, curve, rise, fast, drop, they all have the same sink. It's a lot of sink. Uh, it's eight inches of sink. This changeup also is really not typically a great pitch for her. Um, she doesn't control it well. It doesn't blend with her other pitches. And so usually, unfortunately, if this changeup kind of sat underneath of those pitches, um, it, it would provide a level of variability. But basically what we know about this pitcher is she does one thing. Now, she's sitting a little bit more like 60 miles per hour. So sometimes just like locating that fastball because everything pulls down, sometimes locating that fastball a little bit more like mid-tier gives her a little bit of, of you know, in-game changes eye level for pitchers. So I would almost call this like one and a half levels of variability. Um, but because there's so much pull on that fastball, it's like not a pitch you typically want to work like up in the zone very much, unless the velo obviously was really, really high, which in this case it's not. So she has one tool. So the challenge with that, think about how I just described the pitcher before this. Here's her A game, here's her B game, here's her C game. I would say, you know, to the catcher, to the pitcher, like, this is it. She has to be able to throw, you know, this sink uh, through the zone. So maybe A game is just like when she can literally locate or tunnel this sink pitch anywhere she wants. She can tunnel it inside. She can tunnel it outside. She can tunnel it at different heights. That's her A game. And her B game is just like, you know, she can throw it through the zone, period. And that's it. Um, and so you can see, like, this is a pitcher where, 
you know, yes, she has a great tool and it's a ton of sync. And so like, that's the approach that we would take there. This is not an approach that I would say like, we want to throw up in the zone. We want to throw rise. Now let's throw curve. Like you have to understand she doesn't have any of these. She has one tool and it is a lot of break. So that's the way I would separate it. If she has command over the tunnel and if, you know, if she has command over the tunnel, if she just has command over the zone, or if she doesn't have command at all. That's how I would split up her ABC game. Um, and, and that's essentially, you know, all we have the option to do. Okay, the last picture here you can see is really similar. Everything is pitch, it's the, everything is sync, everything is clustered essentially. Little bit of a horizontal component, but really not significant on curve and fast. Her velo is down a little bit. We're more like mid 50s. These are all high school age pitchers, just for the sake of discussion, no particular reason why. Um, change up also is, uh, I wouldn't say sort of like a dominant pitch for her. So this is an example of a pitcher where I would say she doesn't really have like a glaring strength. And so this is an approach. This is my least favorite approach, uh, but this is an approach where it's like the days in which this pitcher is effective, we're talking at the high school level, is when she can just locate really, really well. Like I'm talking river versus on the plate heights. Like when she is very in tune with the timing between body and arm, those are the days because, you know, at the high school level, a lot of times uh, just even locating pitches where you want does the job. If she can mix in a changeup, even better. Uh, for this pitcher, you know, that's not, uh, you know, that's oftentimes not the case. That changeup is kind of like not something she controls really well and speed change is not off, is not quite there yet. But you can see how when you have a cluster of pitches, you have very minimal weight. So we're trying to talk about like, what are the ways in which you can be effective? What I would say is like, this is a pitcher who can only match up. Her A game only matches up with sort of like a below average team because there's nothing really there to beat them with. It's like she has to locate really well, but there's no break. And so I personally feel like, you know, it's important for pitchers to understand this. And it's one, they want to, you know, we all have a hundred labels to our pitches. We've talked about this, why it's so important for pitchers to understand what's actually happening with their pitches, but they should understand their approaches as well. And this way, you know, pitchers aren't coming saying like, why didn't I get that game? It's like that, that team we face needs, we need to attack them with tools that are a little bit stronger than what you have right now. So when it comes to your player development journey, it's not just like, yeah, but when I threw a game, you know, this pitcher says to her coach, I threw a game and like I struck everyone out. It's like, yeah, but when the matchup gets higher, we need better tools. And so in your player development journey, that's what you're working on. And that's where obviously then I come into play is to be able to, you know, you know, connect those conversations so everyone's on the same page with what's happening here. Um, I just think this is really, really powerful. I think like oftentimes, especially at the high school level, we pitchers and coaches, parents alike, I should say, are all just sort of judging whether or not a pitcher is good enough for the next level based on like the results of the game. And there's so many things that are, that go into that. It's kind of layered and complex. And so um, what's important to know is that like this pitcher with these tools, these things do not scale at the college level. We know that. And so yes, she might be like lights out when she gets, you know, um, as a put into her travel ball games because of the matchups that she's put against and, and how these tools again, sort of match up against those teams. But she has to know that another layer beyond that story is like, we can't rely on that. And so the next tier is like better tools to be able to face better teams and in, in, you know, higher level of play. And so that connects you to what now translate and what is effective in the, at the college level. Um, so I think the concept of like looking at a player's, a pitcher's story, understanding her tools, understanding her strength uh, and her strengths, plural, 
if there's variability off of that, knowing how that matches up against teams, uh, and then also connecting that to the concept of how it will ultimately you know, match up at the college level. It's all a related concept. And this is where I really feel like the power of data comes into play. It puts us all in the same room, in the same conversation, in the same headspace regarding what's really happening with a pitcher's story. It's not guesses, it's not opinions, it's not any of that. It just lays it out there. And then when we talk about ownership from the athlete standpoint in their player development journey, ownership over here's what I know about myself and here's what I'm on a you know on track to do or here's what I'm really have goals to do. It, there's no, it's not random. It's it's just objective. Um, so hopefully that was a helpful conversation and just understanding, again, how to take that piece from seeing a pitcher story, applying it in games, the types of things that I would think about in order to do that. You know, of course, as we're getting at higher or higher levels, there will be conversations of like, what's the best things against lefties versus righties. But for the sake of today, I kind of wanted to keep it a little bit more, um, just talk about this concept of, you know, how do we just take data, apply it to in-game, start to make our pitch calling approaches more individualized to the pitcher. And then again, kind of see what's on the other end of that conversation, which is like, how does this then connect to what allows this pitcher to be effective as she's working, you know, further down the line in her journey from high school to college pitcher. Um, so again, hopefully those examples were helpful. Looking forward to hearing some feedback, some questions uh, on social media through my email. I've been getting some really, really great comments and, and feedback questions about some some uh, of our listeners. Uh, you know, here's what my pitcher's doing. What do you think about this? It's just been facilitating these episodes have been facilitating some really great conversation, which in my mind is the goal all along. So thank you again for tuning in this week to watch and listen. If you're on the audio version only, I know I say this each week, but uh, you know, especially when I'm giving these examples and showing this data, it's really, really important if when you have an opportunity to go check us out on YouTube as well to be able to follow along with these videos uh, and with some of this data. So again, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, really great discussion. Looking forward to the discussions that come after it and looking forward to next week's discussion as well. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I'd love to connect and hear your feedback. You can contact me directly at ashley at s2breakthrough.com. If you're listening, you can leave us a review. Or if you're watching, go ahead and leave a comment below. Also, be sure to follow S2 Breakthrough on all of our social media channels and subscribe to Stream S2 to find all things player development. Until next time, quest on. Quest on.